Welcome to Matthew's World of Wine and Drink, an educational podcast dedicated to teaching you all about the wines of the world, the different grape varieties, the different regions, and the history and culture of wine. In this third episode focusing on the Loire Valley, we look at the reds, the rosés, and the sparkling wines of the Loire, emphasising the variety of wines made in the region. A quick mention for Pinot Noir, which is found in various regions of the Loire Valley, but you're most likely on the international market to find it in Sancerre, for Red Sancerre, or for Rosé from Sancerre, which is always going to be Pinot Noir. And so the reds there are going to be a little bit lighter and quite fragrant and perfumed, and not particularly tannic. So light-bodied reds, which can be uh, served a little bit chilled, whereas the rosés have a nice structure to them, pale-coloured, um, and usually high quality as well. So Sancerre, with its cool continental climate, not far from Burgundy, uh, with Pinot Noir being planted there. But it is not the most common of wines, and it's uh, quite a niche market. And as I mentioned in the first episode, most likely to be found in Paris. Although I'm not going to mention every single appellation in the Loire Valley, otherwise this would be an extremely long podcast, I think it's worth noting two small appellations which are really disconnected from the rest of the Loire Valley and kind of hard to uh, shoehorn in, but they are um, of interest, and these are Cote Rones and Cote de Forêt, which are really um, fur- much further south than the rest of the Loire Valley appellations, parallel with Beaujolais. And like Beaujolais, Gamay is the main grape variety here. And there's some extremely good wine, especially in Cote Rones. There's a very good producer that you can find in the US and maybe elsewhere called Serol, S-E-R-O-L, which is which is definitely well worth trying. And they only work with Gamay. Uh, the Gamay, the red Gamay is extremely similar to Beaujolais in its structure and its um, fruitiness, but there's just that really nice depth and crunchiness to it. Then they also make a rosé from Gamay, which um, is a very good example of a rosé with nice fruitiness and not too tannic. And then they also make a sparkling wine from Gamay as well, which is uh, quite sweet and low in alcohol at 8%. So it's just that producer giving an idea of what's going on in the Cote Rouennaise with Gamay, similar in style and climate and soil to Beaujolais. So much more important, moving west into Touraine, so the large region, and Touraine is the kind of overarching appellation in which there are several smaller appellations which produce high-quality wine. So Touraine Rouge can be made from a range of varieties. It's actually quite a, a lot that can be used. Cabernet Franc, most important, but also Cabernet Sauvignon, Co, also, uh, which is Malbec, Pinot Noir again, also Meunier, the Champagne grape. So you can see with this cool continental climate, there's overlaps with Burgundy and Champagne, and we'll see that with the sparkling wines as well. Gamay, Pinot d'Onis, Groyo, and also Pinot Gris, which does have um, coloured skins. Uh, Gamay is perhaps um, the most important for, in terms of quality, planted to the east of Touraine, and similar to Beaujolais, but leaner, not as uh, not as full, because we've got a cooler climate. And the use of semi-carbonic maceration has seen improvement in the quality of Gamay, and more consistent, and um, it can certainly be uh, very good quality. And there are several sub-appellations uh, for Touraine, Terrain as a Lirido or Chenonso, um, but these are quite rare to find outside of the region. The most important appellations within Terrain are Chinon and Bourgai, uh, Saint Nicolas de Bourgai. So Chinon um, is over 2,000 hectares in plantings, and it's actually recently been expanded, and it lies between the Loire and one of the Loire tributaries, the Vienne. 
And Cabernet Franc dominates here. It has to be 90% of the blend, 10% Cabernet Sauvignon. Um, but Cabernet Franc is the dominant variety, also called Breton locally. And the wines have got richer and better over the years. And when I was visiting the Loire, I spoke to a Bourgogne producer who um, has been making wine since for de- decades. And he said in the 80s, it's very difficult in the Loire because there are lots of underripe vintages. So the wines were really green and herbaceous and really damaged the reputation of, of the Loire. Similarly to the whites, which um, weren't of the highest quality, the reds just weren't ripe enough. And so the Loire's reputation has had to recover since then. But climate change has certainly helped. And so the, the, getting the grapes ripe isn't as difficult as it used to be. But also better vineyard management as well, training the vines higher and also um, canopy management as well uh, with deleafing to ensure that the energy of the vine is going towards the grapes rather than the leaves. So better canopy management, better vineyard management and also a warmer climate have resulted in richer, fuller, riper styles of Cabernet Franc. There's still going to be a green leafiness to the Cabernet Franc of the Loire Valley, as it should be. That's the style. It's a cool continental climate, but much more consistent than it used to be. Within Chinon, there are two different styles. So on the near the river, the soils are sandy and gravelly, and these result in lighter-bodied styles of um, Cabernet Franc. Um, so lighter, fruitier, fresher, easy uh, to be drunk young. Whereas on the limestone slopes and on the plateau, which are south-facing slopes, the wines are fuller and more age-worthy. Chinon is designed to be drunk young, generally, but certainly the wines can age for a long time, especially when they're coming from these limestone slopes. And you can find examples of Chinon and the other um, key appellations for Cabernet Franc dating back to the 90s and being of uh, good quality. So they really do have the um, tannic substance and structure to age for a long time but nevertheless uh, like Beaujolais these wines are generally designed to be drunk young even the really high quality ones just because of their fresh fruitiness. On the other side of the Loire the north bank is Bourgueil and there's about 1300 hectares of plantings here so a little bit smaller than Chinon and the vines are planted on south facing slopes which produces that consistently ripe style. So Bourgai is a bit more consistent in its style. It's medium-bodied, more powerful than Chinon, with raspberry and pencil shaving aromas, and with that firm tannic structure as well, which means that the wines can age if you want to, but still that fresh fruitiness to them. Within Bourgai, there is a sub-appellation, Saint-Nicolas de Bourgai, and only a third of this appellation are on slope, so flatter, and therefore the wines aren't as intense and as concentrated. There's 900 hectares of plantings here, and the soils are lighter as well. And this is really the most fragrant style of Cabernet Franc, really emphasising that youthfulness, freshness and fruitiness. Very attractive and very drinkable. Moving west into Anjou Saumur, Saumur itself is a kind of a continuation of Chinon, and there are different appellations within Saumur. It's just on the other side of the river. And Saumur Rouge is usually Cabernet Franc, and this is the refreshing, light, and fruity style. Within Saumur, there's Saumur Champigny, which is um, right next to the river and an extension of terrain. And these, this produces fresh, fragrant wines, which are a bit lighter on the sandier soil. So again, similar to Chinon, a range of styles according to the soil type on which the vines are planted. But some of Champigny's uh, densely planted slopes above the river, producing a bit more intense and concentration than Sommer Rouge, which is a bit more generic. And a very famous producer within Sommer Champigny is Clos Rougiard, which is a biodynamic uh, producer 
that's really influential and inspirational on younger producers coming through, um, influencing biodynamic practices, and um, a bit of a cult winery. The wine's going to be $200 plus, and they were actually bought um, a, a few years ago by the billionaire owners of Chateau Montrose in Bordeaux. So just kind of emphasising how cultish they are. But those wines are extremely good and a lot more expensive than Cabernet Franc usually is in the Loire because it generally is extremely good value. And also within the summer, there's another new appellation, Summer Puy Notre Dame, which is also Cabernet Franc and produces quite fragrant wines. Although it's named after a village, it's a relatively large appellation. And then there's Anjou. And Cabernet Franc is the third of all the plantings in Anjou. And these wines are a bit tougher and more tannic than uh, the, the wines of Touraine, of Chinon and Bourgueil, which are a bit more approachable. And so Cabernet Franc in Anjou does need to be handled carefully in the vineyard and to ensure that it does get ripe. And it can be a bit too tannic if, um, if the juice has been drawn off for rosé. So again, careful management in the winery as well to produce high-quality Cabernet Franc in Anjou. But there are certainly some very good um, Cabernet Franc made in Anjou and particularly in the appellations of Anjou Village and specifically Anjou Village Brissac which is just south of Angers which um, produces a bit more structured fruit fruit forward um, softer tannins than basic Anjou and also there is Gamay within Anjou as well so important to remember that although Cabernet Franc is by far the most important black grape variety in the Loire Valley it is not the only one and Gamay can be extremely approachable in the Loire. And one other appellation worth mentioning um, it's a small one a little hard to find maybe but when you do find it it's worth trying and that's Coteau du Loire and so this is um, slopes based around a different river also called Loire but spelt differently, O-L-O-I-R, so a little confusing. So a tributary of the, the general Loire, and the main grape here is Pinot d'Onis. And these wines are going to be quite similar in style to Cabernet Franc or Gamay. So if you like the lighter-bodied reds of um, the Loire, Pinot d'Onis is a good alternative. And that is grown in different regions in the Loire, but Coteau de Loire is the, um, the centre of uh, those plantings, and it's a little cooler there. So you're getting a really fresh acidity, really fragrant style. So moving away from the red wines of the Loire to the rosés. Now rosé is very important in the Loire. And of course it is a fashionable style these days. And so Loire rosé is riding the tide of that. So the general um, appellation for rosé is rosé de Loire. And this can come from anywhere in Touraine, Anjou and Saumur. And so generally a blend of those different appellations. So being able to source the grapes from anywhere gives the producers um, quite a lot of range. And rosé de Loire must be 30% Cabernet Franc, but any of the other black grape varieties can be used for rosé de Loire. And it is a dry wine, in contrast to rosé d'Anjou, which must come from Anjou. And this was the kind of the widespread style of rosé up until... Um, the 90s and it's off dry not associated with high quality so you've got that sweetness which can be quite quite cloying and quite flat uh, fat and flabby though the wines have improved in recent years and are, are fresher than they used to be but that again is all about winemaking and concentration on quality rather than just pumping the wine out traditionally the highest quality rosé in the Loire is Cabernet d'Anjou which is a blend of Cabernet Franc and Cabernet Sauvignon. And this will be a little bit sweeter, which is not a fashionable style these days, so you don't see it that much. But the quality is high, 
and it's going to be perfumed and refined and with high acidity as well to balance that sweetness. So it's not a, a flabby style of a sweet rosé, but a much fresher style with the sweetness, just rounding it out and giving it some body and structure. And as I already mentioned, there's rosé produced in other regions in the Loire, and the one you're most likely to see on the shelves is Sancerre from Pinot Noir. And so generally the quality of rosé in the Loire is good to very good. Um, rosé de Loire is probably the appellation you're going to find the most often these days, and that's dry, and that fits in with international trends, as does Sancerre. And finally, to finish this series on the Loire Valley, we focus on the sparkling wine, of which there is plenty made. The Loire Valley has ideal conditions for sparkling wine. It's a cool continental climate, not dissimilar to Champagne, maybe fractionally warmer. However, the quality of sparkling wine does vary. A lot of sparkling wine is made from Chenin Blanc, which is fine, but Chenin Blanc is a much more aromatic grape variety than those used in Champagne, for instance, Chardonnay. So produces a much more aromatic style of sparkling wine, which is not necessarily what um, consumers are looking for when they're used to the more neutral fruit aromas of Champagne. And also there's a lot of variety within Loire, so any of the great varieties allowed in Loire are permitted for sparkling wine in the Loire Valley. So a great range there, depending which great varieties are used. And then there's six different appellations for sparkling wine in the Loire Valley. So there's Cremant de Loire, which covers the entire region. There's Anjou, Montlouis sur Loire and Vouvray, Saumur and Touraine. And of those, Cremant de Loire is very widely available. Montlouis sur Loire and Vouvray are also widely available. In fact, they are dominated by sparkling wine these days. And Saumur is also a very famous appellation. Anjou and Touraine, less known for sparkling wine. So Cremant de Loire, as I mentioned, can be from any of the great varieties permitted in the Loire. And just to summarise those, Chenin Blanc, the most important. Chardonnay is allowed as well. Cabernet Franc, particularly for the rosé. And Cabernet Sauvignon too, as well as Pinot de Nice and Groyot. And then Pinot Noir is allowed as well. And then a couple of more obscure grapes, Groyot Gris and Arbois. And Cremant de Loire must spend 12 months on the lees, and so a little bit longer than uh, most Cremant and the other sparkling wines of the Loire, which gives the wines a bit more texture and structure and quality. And the permitted yields for Cremant are lower than in the other sparkling wine appellations of the Loire, so again, increasing quality for Cremant de Loire. So those uh, smaller appellations include Saumur, which um, has to be 60% Chenin Blanc uh, for the white sparkling wines, with a maximum 20% Chardonnay allowed. So though Chardonnay is permitted in these appellations, it is restricted, which again differentiates it from Champagne, and also with a maximum 10% Sauvignon Blanc, which is not a great variety, particularly conducive to sparkling wine. So I don't know why anyone would use that, maybe add some aromatics in a very small uh, fraction. And then with sparkling rosé, there's a minimum 60% Cabernet Franc. And within Saumur, mechanical harvesting is allowed. And then Vouvray is 100% Chenin Blanc, so whatever style of Vouvray, dry, sweet, sparkling, it's always 100% Chenin Blanc. And different styles made here. A lot of the sparkling wine is more pétillant than fully sparkling, so lightly fizzy rather than fully fizzy. And the production of sparkling wine in Vouvray and nearby Montlouis, which is also 100% Chenin Blanc, has increased in recent years. Two-thirds of the wines made in Vouvray and Montlouis are sparkling, and that's because of consumer demand. It's also because if the grapes don't get fully ripe, then they can be used for sparkling wine. And also, um, relatively high yields are permitted, so good for growers and producers to make sparkling wine. 
very beneficial for them commercially. And these wines from Chenin Blanc will have those Chenin Blanc aromatics, fruity, waxy, um, honeycomb, and high acidity as well, of course. And so these wines can potentially age uh, for some time. And then the other uh, sparkling wine appellation worth mentioning is Touraine, which has the potential to be excellent. And I've certainly seen um, some good sparkling wine coming out of this area for very good prices. And so one to look out for, and there's a whole range of great varieties allowed. It's a large region, and so access to different varieties from different areas, and maybe less famous appellations, but still producing good quality fruit in this cool climate with high acidity for sparkling wine. So lots of variety in Loire Valley, which makes it such a wonderful, fascinating region, with white wine made from different varieties in different climates and different soil types, as well as the reds and the rosés and the sweet wines and the sparkling wines that we've been discussing in these, in these episodes. So a lot to learn, a lot to enjoy, and a lot to drink from the Loire Valley. So thank you for listening. I'm Matthew, and this has been Matthew's World of Wine and Drink. Thank you.